From Forward, Montana, this is What the Helena. Hello and welcome to another episode of What the Helena. Here's what we've got going on this week. Today, April 18th, is the last day to sign up to participate in our statewide collaborative art project exploring what economic justice means to young Montanans. And tomorrow, April 19th, students from across Montana will be holding a protest at the Capitol Building in Helena against House Bill 112, the anti-trans sports ban. The protest starts at 11 a.m. Bring your masks and signs, and you can find more information on both of those in the description. Hopefully you caught our midweek update on the constitutional crisis unfolding at the Capitol. If you missed it, you can jump back to the episode right before this one to hear what's going on. Basically, legislative Republicans are trying to intimidate the Montana judiciary, an independent branch of government. This is a dangerous attempt to disrupt our government's checks and balances and undermine the Montana Constitution. It's clear the Gianforte administration sees the judiciary as their last barrier to unilateral, unchecked Republican control. Make sure you're paying attention as this story develops. Last week in voting rights legislation, House Bill 506 and House Bill 651 went through some extra scary makeovers. A new amendment to House Bill 506 would prevent election clerks from giving soon-to-be-eligible young voters their ballots until the elector's 18th birthday. That means you'd be shit out of luck if you happen to turn 18 the week before Election Day and would like to vote by mail. That's not a very nice birthday present. House Bill 651 concerns citizen-driven ballot initiatives. Two examples of citizen-driven initiatives are the 6 mil levy, which has kept university tuition costs down, and I-190, which decriminalized recreational marijuana. Getting an initiative on the ballot is not an easy feat, requiring thousands of signatures and approval from the Secretary of State. House Bill 651 makes it even harder by requiring a legislative committee to review the initiative and weigh in before signature collection begins. We were hoping to see an amendment taking the legislature's hands out of this process. However, things took a very wrong turn. House Bill 651 was instead amended to give Secretary of State more power to define the fee that signature gatherers must pay. We've got to keep the pressure up and ask the Senate State Admin Committee to vote no on House Bill 651. A couple weeks ago, we had a surprise awakening to another regressive tax bill. Senate Bill 399, sponsored by Senator Greg Hertz of Polson, is referred to as the Tax Simplification Bill, which is hilarious. At 98 pages long, it's a goddamn novel. Senate Bill 399 completely overhauls Montana's current income tax system and would lower the income tax rate on high earners, costing the state roughly $40 million in revenue annually. Most concerningly, it was introduced late in the session and is now being pushed through the legislature at record speed. Remember the last time you tried to make a multi-million dollar decision that quickly? Neither can we. Let's muster our energy and stop this bill. Tell your representative to vote no on Senate Bill 399. Luckily, we can rip a page from the Book of Tax Horrors. Senate Bill 159, a different tax bill from Senator Hertz benefiting only Montana's wealthiest, died in committee.
A while back, we celebrated our hero, Representative Kathy Kelker of Billings, for introducing House Bill 92, a bill that would financially compensate people who've been wrongly convicted of crimes. We are thrilled to report that House Bill 92 sailed through both chambers with strong bipartisan support. Now it just needs to get its pennies and dimes nailed down in a finance committee before it heads off to the governor's desk, but its chances are looking good. This is a very exciting step down the long, long road of reparations for people harmed by Montana's criminal injustice system, and we couldn't be happier. As a child, did adults ever nag you to write thank you cards after your birthday or holidays? How about when bad bills died in the legislature? We'd like to play adult for a minute and ask you to express some appreciation to our legislators who have protected Montanans' access to health care. What better way to spend your Sunday? Senate Bill 100, sponsored by Senator Carrie Smith of Billings, would make it harder to access public assistance programs like Medicaid or SNAP, disproportionately affecting low-income Montanans. It would put 22,000 eligible Montanans in jeopardy of losing vital services. Senate Bill 100 was tabled in its committee, but could be revived at any time. Thank you, Representative, as soon as you can for voting to table Senate Bill 100 and urge them to stick with their no votes. House Bill 337, sponsored by Representative Caleb Hinkel of Belgrade, was a constitutional amendment to redefine personhood and give a fertilized egg the same rights as an adult Montanan. This would have banned all abortions in Montana and could have outlawed many forms of birth control. House Bill 337 needed 100 votes in both the House and the Senate and failed with only 95. Express your gratitude to your legislators for voting against House Bill 337. Oh, thank you. As the session approaches the finish line, legislators are exhausted and over it, so we're seeing bills being scheduled for votes at death-defying speeds. In the environmental realm, legislation shares a common theme, the GOP sucking up to corporations at Montanans' expense. First up, Senate Bill 379, the billion-dollar bailout bill, brought by Senator Steve Fitzpatrick of Great Falls, whose dad was a lobbyist for Northwestern Energy. Senate Bill 379 hands a blank check to Northwestern Energy shareholders for investments in the outdated coal strip power plant while driving up energy bills for Montana households. One such shareholder? BlackRock, an investment management company with $8.67 trillion in assets, as if they need more money from Montanans. Senate Bill 379 is hanging out in the House Energy, Technology, and Federal Relations Committee. Send them a note ASAP to vote no on this appalling bill. The following bills are all on Governor Gianforte's desk. House Bill 273, the anti-democracy bill from former Villain of the Week Representative Derek Skies of Kalispell. This bill would overturn a long-standing initiative known as I-80, which gives Montanans the right to vote on any proposed nuclear facilities in the state, and would essentially eliminate public input on nuclear energy. Yikes. House Bill 481 is the chilling anti-protest bill sponsored by Representative Steve Gunderson of Libby, which would increase penalties for trespassing and or vandalizing energy infrastructure like pipelines. Those found to have caused damage could be hit with a felony charge punishable by massive fines and up to 30 years in prison. It's the fossil fuel industry's response to the Dakota Access Pipeline protests and is designed to intimidate climate advocates. 
House Bill 576 was initially written to eliminate the Montana Renewable Portfolio Standard, which was created to encourage renewable energy development across Montana. House Bill 576 was amended thanks to slimy suggestions from Northwestern Energy's head lobbyist to also repeal the Community Renewable Energy Project's requirement, letting Northwestern Energy off the hook for the $2.5 million it owes to tribal and low-income energy assistance programs. Tell Governor Gianforte it's time to protest Montanans' livelihoods over the wealth of corporations. But don't give up hope. Senate Bill 260, one of the most concerning climate bills, died on the House floor this week. It would have discouraged the state from regulating all kinds of industry affecting environmental regulation, public safety, and welfare. For the win! This week's villain earned his shameful title by going out of his way to allow state-sanctioned cruelty. Representative Dennis Lenz of Billings sponsored House Bill 244, a bill that would reinstate the death penalty in Montana, at a time when public support for capital punishment is at an all-time low. It's been a while since we talked about House Bill 244, so here's a refresher. Right now, the death penalty is technically legal in Montana, but the state cannot carry out executions. That's because the drug being used didn't meet the state's own ultra-fast-acting requirement. House Bill 244 would strike that requirement, allowing lethal injection to be performed using any substance in a lethal quantity sufficient to cause death. This means executions would resume with lower quality, less regulated, and more painful drugs. Let's be clear. Our villain has so little regard for the value of human life that he felt it appropriate to joke about corrections officers injecting people with antifreeze. Many pharmaceutical companies are refusing to sell lethal injection drugs to states. We never thought we'd see the day that Big Pharma had a stronger moral compass than, well, anyone. In an exciting turn of events on Thursday, House Bill 244 failed on the Senate floor by just two votes. If your senator voted no, take a minute to thank them. Hero of the Week Nasty voting rights legislation can't squeak past Senator Janet Ellis of Helena. Last week, she raised her voice on the Senate floor against House Bill 406, which would have prevented anyone except a family member or postal worker from delivering your completed ballot to your county elections office if you're unable to get there yourself. That means no help from your roommate, your partner, or even your fiancé. Senator Ellis pointed out that even if a family member were able to deliver your ballot, there are other barriers in this bill like requiring the ballot deliverer to register with the county elections office and bring a written permission slip to submit your ballot. Talk about making a simple process extremely difficult for no fucking reason. Senator Ellis's comments highlighted the complete ridiculousness of this bill. Quick refresher, a similar measure was ruled unconstitutional by the Montana courts just last year, and thankfully helped send it packing. Yes, House Bill 406 died on the Senate floor. We are absolutely elated, and you should be too. During a session that makes us all want to run away from Capitol Hill and never look back, we admire Senator Ellis's respectful but pointed arguments against restrictive voting rights legislation, both in committee and on the Senate floor. 406 cheers for Senator Ellis. Make sure to pass her a thank you for all her hard work. 
Our interview this week was conducted by climate organizer Eliza Donahue and Forward Montana intern Brianna Shadel, who talked to David Samalo from Earth Tone Outside Montana about the work that they're doing to create space and community for people of color in Montana's outdoor spaces. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Brianna Shadel. I use she, her, hers pronouns, and I am a Billings intern with Forward Montana this spring. I'm coming to you from the unceded lands of the Blackfeet, Crow, and Cheyenne tribes, among many other tribal nations here in Billings. Being an intern with Ford Montana has allowed me to explore what I am passionate about and advocate for issues that I think are important for all Montanans, which for me is the issue of public lands. And my name is Eliza Donahue. I use she, her, hers pronouns, and I'm a legislative organizer working on climate and environmental justice for Forward Montana. I live on the unceded lands of the Absalica, Northern Cheyenne, and Salish Kootenai, among other tribal nations in Bozeman. Eliza and I got the amazing opportunity to chat with David Samalo from Earth Tone Outside Montana about issues facing public lands today and some of the conversations missing from the public lands movement here in Montana. Here it is. My name is David Samalo. I use he, him pronouns, and um, I, my main job is as video editor um, but I also am involved in the president of the board of Earth Outside Montana, which um, is a is a nonprofit for creating a community uh, for people of color in outdoor spaces. Yeah. That's awesome. So I think we're just going to start <clears throat> off this conversation today um, mm-hmm. with you just talking about what is Earth Tone Outside Montana <laughs> and what are you guys working on right now? Uh, so back in 2017, we started because... Um, there didn't seem to be any spaces for um, people of color in the outdoor or at least any kind of community. There's, there's tons of spaces, public spaces everywhere, but there is no real central community for people of color, especially in the Bozeman area. And um, so a bunch of us got together and we created Earth Run Outside uh, Montana. Um, all of us had already had job. We had jobs. So, you know, this is not something we they were full time. Well, you know, this was not a full-time job or anything like that. Um, we all had different coming from different areas of expertise. Um, and so it kind of grew from there. And really the whole idea is that we wanted to create a community where people of color could feel safe and uh, hang out with like-minded people um, in outdoor spaces so that they could, if there was any issues um, that they could feel safe talking about them. That's amazing. Um, I think you have kind of already talked about this, um, but how do you think about public lands in Montana? Uh, I think they're fantastic. <laughs> um, I, I grew up in the, in Texas. I'm a huge Spurs fan. Um, but I grew up in Texas, and it seems like not, over 95% of the land in Texas is privately owned. So it's a huge amount. Um, and I think federally federally owned owned land is even is like uh, less than two percent. Um, there are some state parks and stuff like like that, but there aren't these huge open spaces for people to go and access and do recreation. Um, at least you know it's not easy access. You have to drive a long way sometimes, or sometimes the spaces are pretty small. Um, and when I was used to that, so when I got here to Montana. Um, and there was all these outdoor spaces to explore and hang out with. And, you know, you could spend a lifetime going to different places here and just in Montana alone. Um, I thought it was amazing. And I think that the outdoor spaces and the public lands are really an American treasure 
for people. I mean, I understandably, this is all land that has been taken from the indigenous people of this country. Um, but it, I think it's something that we need to treasure and, uh, and advocate for and something we need to conserve and keep and not let people come in and privatize everything like some of the more central and eastern states. Um, yeah. yeah. Just a question, David. I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, if there's any particular um, places or um, you're talking about, about, like, access and privatization, if there are particular places or issues you're thinking about here in Montana. Uh, I, th- I think in Montana, there's just always this legislation and, and laws put in um, and bills that make it try to make it easier for privatization of a lot of these public lands to occur. I think there was a few that were are just passed um, uh, recently about putting uh, private uh, landowners on certain commissions and things like that. Um, but I mean, uh, there's no like specific example I can give you right now, but it's just like sort of like in general, it's, it's just happening. Um, and I, I think it's if if Montanans were to let that happen, I think it would be a huge uh, detriment to to what the state has. So, yeah. Um, so, in your opinion, especially with your background in Earth Tone outside Montana in mind, um, what kinds of conversations about the outdoors do you think are missing in our state? I mean, I guess I could go into like there's like so much stuff that the details that you can go into with dealing with public lands, but. Um, you know, because I'm, I'm with the AOMT, I'll talk about like the excessive accessibility that people of color and, you know, quite frankly, some other, other people, non people of color, uh, lack in, in some, in some form or another. So, um, you know, if we're living in Montana or Wyoming or Colorado, you know, New Mexico, all those states, everything West of there, you know, including Alaska, um, have a lot of public spaces, you know, a lot of land and, and easy access for a lot of people because a lot of, you know, you can, you can drive 10, 10, 15 miles and there's, there's a space for you to be. Um, and then, you know, past that, um, over on the east side of the country, eastern middle of the country, there really is not that large amount of public spaces for people to visit. Um, so you always have that. And then people who are living in you know metropolitan areas, the metro areas, or in cities, or even some sm- uh, smaller cities and towns, um, you know they can't, they don't have the resources or time to spend to travel half a day to go and visit these public lands, and um, and I mean there's always, and then the other form of accessibility problems you see, especially with people of color, is in the history of this country, there's always been, you know, the uh, ripples of uh, effects of some of that more detrimental racism um, that still occurs today. And like in the 1940s, there were still parks and state and federal parks that had um, uh, segregation. And so, um, and today, I think that when people think that, oh, the segregation has gone, that somehow that the racism has completely disappeared. And, you know, and that's not true. I have friends who who I've uh, hiked with, uh, who I've done outdoor stuff with, who said that they've experienced some sort of racism uh, outside before. Um, and, you know, sometimes multiple times. And that really, and if someone, a person of color experiences that in the outdoors, 
Like that's, that becomes an unwelcoming space for them. And, you know, why would you want to return to a space like that? So I think it's important that um, we have, you have to understand that when, if you're not seeing a lot of people of color outdoors, it doesn't mean that they don't want to be there or it doesn't mean that they have no interest in being outside. Sometimes it's uh, an accessibility issue or sometimes there's um, other barriers that you may not experience as someone who's not a person of color. Um, so it, for, for me, it was, it was interesting as I was adopted, uh, into a white family when I was an infant. And so I was, my family was huge into like being outside, doing hiking and backpacking and fishing and all that stuff. Um, and I wasn't until much later that I kind of figured, realized what was going on. Like I had noticed that I, I would go on hikes and stuff like that. And I just, you know, for me, it was all about being outdoors, but I never really, it never clicked for me that I didn't see a lot of people of color of color out in the outdoor spaces. And it wasn't until I came to Montana and actually talked to other people of color who did a lot, outdoor, a lot of outdoor activity that I really started to understand what some of what some of the why, why that was the case. And um, I think that it's like I think one of the big conversations in Montana is really understanding that um, that. If you enjoy outdoor spaces, um, maybe that there are barriers uh, for other people that you don't see. Like, I, I'm a man. I never, you know, worry about being, you know, in sexual harassment or assault like that on the trail. But I'm sure a lot of women do. And um, I think it's for the same way that if you're not a person of color, you don't really realize that there are forms of racism or or other forms of segregation or something that you might not see on the trail, but it's there. So it sounds like Earth Tone is gonna be um starting up again with events in person, mm -hmm. which is so exciting with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And um I'm just curious if there's any other like challenges or particular like successes that you want to talk about with Earth Tone's work. And I just think it's such an awesome organization. And I've certainly heard from you know, folks that I know in the community that really appreciate what you do. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we first started this, started out, we didn't know what was going to happen really. And we have seen like a bunch of the, a bunch, a lot of people, in, you know, join our community and a lot of people just in the community show a lot of interest and made people make new friends. And that's always a success. <laughs> Um, they always find people to who they can uh, relate to, who they can go out in these outdoor spaces, and that's always um, that's always a great thing that I love to see, um, and I always feel that's a success. I mean, there's always challenges to trying to figure out how to get more people involved. There's always challenges to whether or not when we first started, we were trying to figure out whether we want to do just purely programming or advocacy, and so we did a little bit of the advocacy stuff. Um, and it was a lot first to take on because, you know, like I said, this is all, this is not our primary, you know, uh, career. It's not what, you know, we have other jobs and stuff like that. Um, so we went to a couple of conferences and talked about, um, you know, people of color and outdoors in the outdoor spaces and racism and stuff and diversity and, uh, inclusion. And, uh, boy, that was, that was tough because, you know, you're talking to your predominantly, these uh, large amounts of uh, white people, they really don't like understand what we've been through or what, or what we go through. And uh, it's very intimidating. 
Um, and we, you know, after that we were like, this is like so stressful right now. Like we just want to stick to the programming, which was the original vision for it. So, um, so we're getting back into just doing the programming stuff. Um, and then maybe if we grow bigger, we can, we can start branching off and doing the advocacy stuff again. Um, but I mean, there's always challenges with the startup nonprofit, and I feel like we have not been spared any of those those problems or issues. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to just be like creating those spaces and and mm-hmm. thinking about how to shift your work in a way that like feels best to you all and mm-hmm. the needs of the community. Yeah, I think one thing we don't want to do, and I I personally have this problem, is always biting off more than I can chew, and so I think that's one thing we didn't want to do. So going back into doing just the programming and uh, I'm really excited for this year because I think we're going to see um, a lot, a lot of people show up and it's going to be fun. Hopefully more people hear, like continue hearing about it. And um, yeah. I guess last question that I have, I'm just going to jump in and ask if you have a favorite place to recreate in Montana. Food That's place. Really hard, hard <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> Um, you don't, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know if there's like a favorite place I have to recreate in Montana. I like certain kind of spaces. Like I love being near water or, or near lakes or something. And I, I love camping out, um, near bodies of water. But, uh, I actually, this last, uh, last year I did my first, um, hunt and I it was my first time I harvested a deer and, uh, and I was cold. It was wet. I accidentally fell into a, a creek, and so I was like, I was I was scared of hypothermia, but I didn't. <laughs> but uh, uh, but it was fun. It was it was even you know you go through all this stuff. And it was fun. Now it's just out like on a, on a patch of public land, um, and it was just kind of a flat with a small dry creek in it, or part of the creek was dry, part of it was wet that I fell into, but still running. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if there's like a favorite place I have. Um, I went to Glacier National Park recently, um, and that was fun. Uh, we took our my wife and I had our our first child last year, and so we took her, and uh, it was really fun. So, yeah, that sounds lovely. So, what are some of the ways that young people can engage with and or support your work with Earth Tone outside Montana? Uh, outside. Well, we, we, I mean, obviously we, we have like, uh, we have like social media stuff that you can come on to and you can subscribe to or follow us. Um, but also we do like outdoor, oh, yeah. we also do outdoor events, public events. And so, um, we have, we'll put those up this year when they start to happen. Uh, we've been kind of off the grid for the last year because of the pandemic. And the last thing we wanted to do was to get a bunch of people together for some of our programming and, you know, somebody gets sick because of that. And so we've uh, put everything sort of on the back burner for a lot of the activities we do. Um, luckily, with the vaccine coming out, we feel confident that this summer we'll, things will pick back up and we can start doing our weekly hikes and we'll have some more bigger events and stuff like that. So just public events, you know, go ahead. And uh, if you're able to, to come to them. A lot of great people to meet, um, make new friends. Um, and it's just really fun. And there's always... You know, there's it's, there's always room to to advocate for these organizations um, that deal with uh, people of color or accessibility in outdoor spaces and public lands. And uh, you can follow them, you know, learn about the issues that are going on, advocate for the issues. 
and things like that. And I think that's, those are some of the best ways to really help us um, in the vision that we have and the progress we're trying to make. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, well, thank you so much um, for talking with us today. Um, I'm so excited to get this published and, you know, add to the conversation. Well, yeah. And just hearing your perspective was really awesome. Thanks for inviting yes, me. Really appreciate it. If you would like to follow more of Earth Tone Outside Montana's work, you can follow them on Instagram at earthtoneoutsidemt. Like David mentioned, the current legislative session includes some bills that would affect access to public lands here in Montana. House Bill 320 is a bad transfer bill that would allow for public lands to be transferred and sold to private entities. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks again to Earth Tone Outside Montana. Thanks to David, Eliza, and Brianna for that conversation, and make sure to follow Earth Tone Outside Montana on Instagram to keep up with all the awesome work they're doing. We know it's been a long few months, but last week brought some significant victories. Let's savor them while we can. Thanks for chugging along with us. Talk to you next time. You can subscribe to What the Helena on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bye.